church, isn't it? Awesome. It's great to see you. Great to worship with you. Before I get stuck into my message tonight, I just want to share something that was stirring in my heart a little bit as I began to prepare this. And that is, I am so excited for the city of Christchurch. I don't know if you love this city or not, but I love this city. And I'm just so excited for what God is going to do in this city. I feel he is preparing us for something. And I, I decided to prepare this message in the new central library in town, the, the Turanga building. Um, normally I'd prepare my messages at home, but having a seven-month month old baby doesn't make home the best place to really try and concentrate. Um, so I decided I'd go into town, have a look at the new library. I hadn't been there yet. And man, what an amazing facility. Like, I don't know if you, have, if you haven't been there or not, I encourage you to go and check it out. It is really cool. But I love going through the city and just seeing new buildings and new things start to be built. You know, there's a buzz in the city again. There's crowds, people walking around. And as I was walking through it, just going, man, oh God, I feel like I, just that sense of God is going to do something here. God is going to do something in the city. I feel like as the city rebuilds, God is going to do some building as well. God is going to start to do some building. And I've walked through town quite a bit recently. And as I was um, walking to the library, I was praying about the message. And I felt God bring the dreams of Pharaoh into my mind. And if you remember the dreams of Pharaoh, they're in the book of Genesis, where God gives Pharaoh these strange dreams. And Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, is able to interpret the dreams for Joseph and it's uh, for, for Pharaoh. And it's how Joseph rises to become the most, one of the most important people in the nation of Egypt is because God is able to interpret them through Joseph. And the way the dreams and visions go is that it explains that Egypt is going to have a period of great harvest, a period of great blessing where the crops are going to go really well and everything's going to go in their favor for a period of time. They're going to rise in power even more so. But that time of blessing is going to be followed by a time of famine, a time of disease and a time of lack. And as that came to my mind, I felt God say it's going to be the other way around for Christchurch. That Christchurch has gone through a period of lack. It's gone through a period of famine. It's gone through a period of heartbreak and turmoil. But blessing is coming. The harvest is coming. I felt God say the harvest is on its way. So can I encourage everyone tonight, let's get on board with what God is doing now so that we don't miss the train when it arrives. I wanted to make a decision in my heart. Okay, God, I'm wanting to get on board with what you're doing right now so that when that comes, I'm ready. I'm already geared up. I'm already, I'm not going to miss out on what you're going to do. I'm ready to go. Does that sound good? Let's get on board now. Awesome. So tonight, we're on part three in a series called In the World. We've had a two-week break from the series. We had some wonderful guest speakers with us to share. But now we're picking back up into part three. And the heart of this series is to look at how we as followers of Jesus can live lives in a way that still honors and glorifies God, even when the world is telling us to do the opposite. And the subtitle there is connecting without compromise. How do we connect to this world, connect with the people around us, connect to our families, our workmates, wherever they are, without compromising the beliefs and the standard of living that we know we need to hold to? And so in order to discuss this, we've been looking at the book of Daniel and the life of Daniel in the Bible. And Beck started us off a few weeks ago reminding us about where our identity comes from. And that Daniel knew his identity, that his identity was in God. He had, been, he had been uprooted from his nation. He'd even been given a new name. He'd been given a new king, a new ruler. Yet those things, his environment didn't determine his identity. His identity was that he was a son of God. He was loved and cherished by him. And that needs to be the fundamental understanding in our lives. And then following on from that, Rory spoke to us and challenged us about what are we worshiping? 
What are we worshiping? What are we placing our value in our lives? And he made the comment that actually what we worship, when we worship something, we desire that love from it. It's one of the reasons why we worship something. We're made to worship. We desire love from that. And he was saying, hey, when you worship things that are temporary, they cannot provide you that love. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow, but God's love is unfailing. It is unending. And so when we worship him, he is the one that can bear our worship. We need to be worshiping him. So bringing us back to tonight, I want to start to talk a little bit about actually how do we engage in the world that we live in as followers of Jesus, because we are in a very similar situation to the one that Daniel was in thousands of years ago when this book was written. In fact, arguably for the last 2,000 years since Jesus came to this earth, his followers have been in a similar situation. You see, Daniel lived the majority of his life in a foreign kingdom. He lived in a, in a foreign nation under rulers that he didn't always agree with, living with people who didn't see the world the same way he did, living with people who didn't believe in the God that he believed in, who didn't hold to the same beliefs, the same standard of living that he did. Daniel was part of the Jewish exile to Babylon. So he was born in Israel. He, he was raised in Israel. He was taught the things of God, taught to worship God. He learned the scriptures, but he spent the most of his life in Babylon where those people did not follow the ways of God as he had learned, and, and a lot of times were actively hostile to the ways of God. And so while we are blessed in New Zealand not to be physically persecuted for following God's ways, we have this wonderful thing called freedom of speech, freedom of religion, we're allowed to practice that. The Bible says that as followers of Jesus, we are made citizens of heaven. We're made citizens of heaven. We belong to a different kingdom a different kingdom. Yet like Daniel, we live in this kingdom. We live in this nation where we don't always have rulers that we agree with. Don't always have rulers that do things the way we do things. We don't always live with people who see the world the way we do, follow the same beliefs that we do. And yet Daniel was able to live in this different kingdom in a way that didn't compromise his beliefs. He was still able to live a way that glorified God while living in a different kingdom that didn't. And whether you agree with this next statement or not, I truly believe that we live in a world that is actively trying to tear down what we stand for, that is actively trying to make following God unpopular, make following God difficult, make it undesirable, trying to make us worship something that isn't God, trying to tell us to place our identity in temporary things and earthly things. And that's not to sound all doom and gloom. But that's just acknowledging the fact that there is an enemy out there roaring like a lion, seeking whom he might devour, and he will use the systems of this world to devour anyone he can, to do anything he can to stop people following Jesus, coming to know who he is, that reality that we are chosen and not forsaken like we've been singing. And I'm not saying that other people are the enemy. I'm not saying that governments are the enemy, that organizations are the enemy. I'm saying that the true enemy will try and use those things to bring down the people of God. He will use the systems of this world to turn people away from God. So how do we live as followers of Jesus in a world like this? And I think there is one key word that encapsulates it for me. One key word I think that encapsulates the life of Daniel and should encapsulate our lives as Christians, and that is intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy with God. 
In fact, I believe cultivating intimacy with God is one of the most single, the single most important thing that as a follower of Jesus we can do. Before we get passionate about anything else, before we get passionate about any other cause, any other organization, any other mission, our single most greatest passion should be cultivating intimacy with our God. And the reason I say that is because intimacy is described as close familiarity or friendship. It's cultivating that relationship with God because as you do, you become more familiar with God. His thoughts start to become your thoughts. His ways start to become your ways. The way he sees people starts to become the way that you see people. The way he sees the world starts to become the way you see the world. His ways start to become your ways. I believe intimacy is what Daniel had. So let's have a look at his life. In chapter 6, verse 10, we learn this about Daniel. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. I'm already challenged by that. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done. It wasn't just like he's like, flip, I'm in a desperate situation. I really need to cry out to God. This was already his routine that he was gone. He had, from a young age, he had cultivated intimacy with God. Now, intimacy looks different for different people. And to use the example of a couple, a couple cultivates intimacy by spending time together. That's how you develop intimacy, not just in a romantic, in any relationship. You spend time with one another, getting to know each other. You learn more and you become more and more like one another. But for some couples, that looks like a weekly date night that they go on like clockwork every single week. You've got couples who know that at 7 o'clock on a Friday night, they're going out for their date night, they're going out to a movie, to a cafe, going out for dinner, whatever it might be, that's their habit, that's their routine, and that's their way of cultivating intimacy. But then other couples prefer to be more spontaneous, get to the weekend, right, let's just jump in the car and drive somewhere. I don't know what it is, let's just go, let's just spend some time together. Other couples like to share 10 minutes when they get home from work, you know, just spending that time with one another before they start cleaning the house, doing the dishes, whatever that might be. All of those are valid ways of cultivating intimacy, and it's the same with God. Some people locked themselves away for periods of time like Daniel did and spent that time in prayer, reading the Word. Other people just, you know, chat with Him during the day and see and involve God in their lives. And we all do a combination of them all, but the key is, is that it is happening. The key is, is that it is happening. Can you imagine... If my, let's say my life got a bit busy, you know, work started to get busy, my life started to get pretty hectic, I had lots of things going on. So I said to Anna, hey, look, Anna, I'm sorry, baby, my life is just so busy right now, I'm not really going to spend any time with you at the moment. I'm just not going to bother spending time with you. I really just need to get these projects done. I really need to get these things done. So I'm sorry, I'm just going to put our relationship on hold for a little bit. Yeah, I'd be in a big trouble, right? My wife's love language is quality time, so that's extra, extra damaging. Who knows, my marriage wouldn't last if that was my response. But because Anna loves me, what I could do to her is say, hey, look, I'm really busy at the moment. Do you mind if rather than having a date night this week, can I just make, can we spend 10 minutes together each day? I'll prioritize that time because I really need to do this thing in the evening. I'm not going to be able to put that time aside, but I could, we could spend 10 minutes before I go to work just for this wee bit. 
How many know she'd be far more receptive to that because I'm prioritizing our relationship? I'm not allowing the busyness of life just to throw our relationship by the wayside, but I'm prioritizing that time. And it's like that with God. We can so often go, God, I'm just so busy. I'm not going to spend any time with you. God's going, just spend time with me during the day. You know, if you're a builder and you get up at four in the morning, spending time with God's probably not what you want to do for half an hour before you go to work. But God's going, you could spend time maybe in the car, on the commute to work or find time during the day, take five minutes out of your lunch break and spend time with me, prioritizing that relationship with him. Jesus would draw away at, at, you know, at times. He would go away before dawn and pray. But then I think we see throughout the scriptures as he would go about his day-to-day life, he was attentive to the voice of God, going, God, what do I do in this situation? What would you have me do right now? It's involving God in our lives. They're all valid. The thing is, is that it's got to happen. We've got to prioritize it. I know for me personally, I love chatting with God throughout the day, involving him in what's going on, asking him for wisdom in certain situations, asking for protection as I drive, asking him for those things, just thanking him for the blessings he's given me today. But I also know the value and the importance of drawing aside, spending quality time with him, going on that date night and spending that time with him. We need to cultivate intimacy with God. And I think intimacy leads to a few key things. The first thing I think it leads to is wisdom. I love what David and Greta shared with us last week, that we have a huge advantage because of God. We have a huge advantage in this world because of God, that God can give us wisdom. He can lead us and guide us in all areas of our lives. That comes through that intimacy with, of spending time with him as you involve him, as he'll give you wisdom and insight into things going on in your life, things in your workplace, whatever they are. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Because of their intimacy with God, he granted them wisdom. And wisdom is something that the world cannot ignore. Wisdom is something the world cannot ignore. Regardless of what they think about your beliefs, regardless of what they might say about your religion, or they say that you act funny or do whatever, wisdom is something they cannot ignore. And wisdom will always lead to favor. Throughout the entire book of Daniel, Daniel and his friends are constantly promoted and exalted into positions of power and influence, despite living in a world that opposed their beliefs, despite often having rulers and kings that didn't agree with them, didn't follow their religion. Because of their intimacy, God was able to grant them wisdom, and they were then given authority over people and blessed the lives of a whole nation because of that. And the second thing that intimacy leads to one of the things that intimacy leads to is obedience. Because you cannot be obedient, you cannot be intimate with God and not follow his ways. Because the more you spend time with God, the more you get to know him. The more of his heart you start to understand. The more you start to become like him. The more you start to see things the way he sees them. The more he starts to challenge your way of living, he starts putting his finger on the things in your life, you start to understand that following God is not a matter of rules, it's actually a matter of wisdom. When we are intimate with God, following him becomes a no-brainer, and it actually causes yourself to hold yourself to a higher standard of living. The way you live, the actions you take, the way you talk about other people, 
In the first few chapters of Daniel, we see this in action. He requests not to be given the same food that the king was offering. He was offering them wine and fancy meats and all this sort of stuff. And he said, no, just give me vegetables and water. Now, Daniel didn't have to do that, but he chose to live at a higher standard. He chose to be an example to the people around him, and we see that God honored him for it. They were found to be healthier and better looking. I can get an amen to that. And the Bible says that God granted them favor in the eyes that had authority over him. Now, I don't think God is saying that vegetarianism is more holy, because I still like my meat. But what I think God responded to was their heart to be an influence. God responded to their desire to hold themselves to a higher standard, to go, we're not going to follow. We're not going to compromise our ways. We're not going to compromise our beliefs. We know what God desires of us. We want to honor him in this nation that might not. And God granted them favor in the eyes of those above them. Later in chapter 6, some of the officials are trying to find ways to get Daniel imprisoned or killed, yet they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. I don't know about you, but I want this to be a mark on my life. That when we live in a world that is trying to tear Christianity down, that is trying to tear the church down, trying to tear down what we believe, I want this to be their response, that they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. When we live in a different kingdom, when people make claims, when the media says this about a church or this about a leader, they're going to, I want their, their accusations to fall against deaf ears because people go, no, I've seen the way they act. I know the way they operate. They are faithful. They are always responsible. They are completely trustworthy. But the only way we can truly do this is through cultivating intimacy with God, allowing him to, to lead us, allowing him to guide us. And if we truly believe that the best days of Christchurch are ahead of us and not behind us, if the best days of the church are ahead and not behind, then intimacy is more important now than ever. Because it's only going to get more crazy. The world's only going to go throw more accusations our way. Intimacy is what will sustain you, what will hold you. If the panel wants to jump up now, that'd be great. Intimacy is so vital in this world. Intimacy will leave a legacy. It'll influence the people around you. Because wisdom is something the world cannot ignore. And so often as Christians, we can get so scared about obedience. Because we think, oh, what, is the, what are people going to think about us? What is the world going to say about this? I don't want to follow God's standards. I don't want to follow God's ways because I'll think I'm weird or they won't like it. But if we see in the example of Daniel, he was granted favor and authority over others and a nation was blessed. Come on, I think Christchurch can be blessed if we're obedient to God. If we have that intimacy with God, and I think if we can see, if, if God's going to pour out his spirit afresh on New Zealand, it takes every one of us to go, hey, we're going to live at a standard. We're going to hold ourselves to a higher standard, not to be judgmental, but because we know there is more for people. There is breakthrough for people. And we're going to continue this discussion on in a panel, and we'll see what happens then. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Jono. No worries. That's really great. It's very challenging and really interesting. I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about accusations at the end. I think we live in a world now where, I mean, accusations just fly all over the place. It's so and easier to it's so easy, easy to accuse to, someone. To accuse someone, yep. And uh, and to then spread it, that accusation. So being living above reproach, mm. it's good. Uh, welcome to Life Talk. This is a chance we get to talk about what John has just shared and some other things as well. And if you've got any questions, send them through to the phone, and we'll see if we can get to them as well. Uh, and I'm Dave Jono, and we're joined here. This is Sophie. 
and Bex, and uh, we'll see what, what comes up. Let's talk about some stuff. I feel like I'm on a really bad angle for you, but that's okay. That's all right. We'll figure it out. Okay. So first question, uh, John, you shared some, some thoughts about what intimacy might look like. Can we chat about what do some of the things that we do or have done specifically to develop that intimacy with God? What does that look like for us? Um, well, for me, I think intimacy also comes with um, vulnerability. Mm. So it's actually being willing to be honest with God and say, well, here's where it hurts. Or, hey, God, what, what do you need me to be working on? What are you highlighting in my life? And, and when you are willing to kind of deal with those things and, and kind of give all of the painful and the dark and the shameful things over, then it means that you can live above reproach, mm. that you're not kind of living in the kind of half-life where you're caught between some of your vulnerabilities that you haven't quite dealt with yet, that you then it mean it means it affects how you deal with it in the world. So that's, for me... That's Have you not dealt with all your vulnerabilities yet? I know for me, just practically, like, um, one of the ways I like to just spend time with God is just in the car. You know, just just driving, or you know, whenever I'm walking, or you know, just if I can if I can put some worship music on, if I can um, put my headphones in and just pray and spend time with God. It might only be for five or ten minutes at a time, but often I find God speaks to me more in those moments. Just as I'm as I'm going about my life, as I'm asking Him, going, you know, if I'm going to a meeting, God, God, I want I want some wisdom here. God, would you protect me? Do whatever. Then I often find it's just as I'm as I'm doing something, God will begin to begin to speak and, and, and just show me things just like as it happened. I was just walking from the um, from a cafe to the library. I felt God bring bring the, the thought about Pharaoh and the dreams to my mind and, and he was able to speak to me and um, I really like that because it's just it's kind of called walking with God you know just involving him in your day and, and all that but then that's not to say that drawing aside and, and spending quality time isn't important either but I know for me just every chance I can get if I can just put some music on or whatever and just spend time in his presence is, um, yeah, I, I have to be very intentional. I'm not the type of person that like every day is like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to meditate on it because that's just, I've never been like that and I'll never be like that. Um, but I, um, I run and I walk my dog, uh, most days and that for me, like as much as I'd like to listen to, you know, Taylor Swift or something, I, um, intentionally I'm like, I'm going to put worship music on and that's going to be half an hour out of my day that is I'm doing that and I'm spending time with God and then if the rest of the day I'm, you know, doing uni work or anything, it's like I've done that in my morning and it set me up for the day and, yeah. Right. So it's just actually putting that time aside to focus on that. Cool. Um, I, I find there are different times of the day where I can sort of engage with different elements in, in different ways. So I, in the morning I, I get up and I like to go somewhere and read the Word but I actually don't do a lot of praying because, you know, forming word sentence thingies early in the morning, I'm just not that good at it. Um, and so I don't try and sort of communicate a whole lot. I, I read and just see if God will speak to me in that. And then other times in the day, like to be able to pray. Um, but another thing that I do, and this may sound really silly, but actually I very deliberately, when I'm praying, tell God that I love him mm. probably every day. Uh, and I would you know, like to say that I hear him tell me that too, but sometimes I, I really get that, that warmth and, and that sense of his love, and sometimes I don't necessarily. But that is just a, a really small way that I go, God, I, I really want to have an intimate, close relationship with you. 
So I, yeah. I tell them that I love them, mm, yeah. um, which yeah. is cool. I mean, I loved what... Um, oh, sorry, I totally cut you off. Um, what um, David and Greta shared last week. You know, You're not like, that sorry because you just I'm not that on. sorry, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, I'll deal um, with what, that vulnerability later. <laughs> <laughs> um, what David and Greta shared last week, you know... And encourage, challenging us, going, let, let your first thought in the day be of God and let your last thought of the day be of God. Like, even, even a small thing, even if it's just reading a small passage, I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, it's just a simple thing, because it's as much as we, like, I, I, I have to be careful that I don't allow, because um, I like to involve God during the day and all yep. that, but I also have to be careful that that doesn't become an excuse to never prioritize Him. Yep. You know, that that just doesn't become an excuse. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I've still got to make sure that I am setting time aside to really spend time in his presence, because that is still valuable. Um, you know, even if you think about a, a marriage relationship, you couldn't just live on, you know, you've still got to have those date nights, you've still got to take that quality time aside. Um, so I can't let that become an excuse. Um, so finding the times where we can to prioritize yeah. that. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll, you can jump in. Oh, just something practical that I do is sit down with a pen and notepad, because my brain goes in five million different places all at once. So to focus, that's how I focus, is I'll it's kind of like just having a conversation, but it's written down. So, And then if, if it feels like God is, is saying something, then actually it's written down so I can then go back and look at it later. Yeah. Okay. So what are, what are some things that you think have stopped you then? What are things that stop you from developing that intimacy or things that get in the way of developing those habits uh, of prioritizing that time? I reckon, and I'll be—I'll just be vulnerable and honest. But I reckon sin is a big one. Right. When you the the feeling of guilt and shame yeah. really takes you away from feeling intimate with God. You know, when you do something you know you shouldn't have, you've messed up in a t- particular way. That really, I know for me that that I've got to be. Th- those are times where I've got to remind myself, no, I'm I'm forgiven. I'm a son of God. Yeah. Um, but those are definitely th- definitely a, a big part of taking that away and going, you know, when, when that comes up and it's like, oh, I, am I even worthy to come and spend time with God? You know, why do I want to build a relationship with him? I'm so not worthy. Um, and that's where I've got to remind myself, no, I, I, am, I am called, I am saved, I am forgiven. That's good. Yep. I'm going to take this one. Yeah. Um, when, I think sometimes for me, it's when my view of God becomes skewed by um, how I'm seeing myself or, or so if it's Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to spend time with God because I know what he's going to say, and oh, I just don't want to hear it, and <laughs> so I'm just going to avoid him for like three weeks, and yeah, that, that gets in my way. Um, this may sound really simple, but you know the biggest killer of intimacy is other people. Um, you think about that in a, in a relationship, uh, whether it's marriage or just a close relationship, if you don't spend that one-on-one time. And so actually isolating yourself from other people uh, is, is the only way really to develop that intimate relationship with God. And I think uh, getting away from other people and marriages too, that's the same thing. Um, but that's all right. Uh, look, here's, a, here's an interesting question for you guys. Do you have any situations where you've had to stand firm in what you believe? So, so the end point of, of John O's sermon was really uh, Daniel developed that intimate relationship and then that was what led him to uh, set himself apart from others. So have you had any sort of situation where you've had to stand firm for what you believe despite what other people around you have been doing? I think in a more like generalized sense... Um I didn't go to a Christian school, and I've just been at university for three years. 
Um, and obviously the culture there is very, you know, parties and all that kind of culture. And um, when I finished high school, I actually made the decision that I was like, I'm not going to partake in that anymore because I had had in high school. Um, and so I was like, whenever there's an event on or I get invited to something, I'm going to sober drive. And that's the decision mm. I've made for three years. Cool. And it has led to conversations awesome. of people being like, why do you choose to sober drive and not, you know, partake in the drinking? And I go, because, A, I have church in the morning um, and I don't want to be tired. Um, and just because it's not what God wants for me, it's not what Great. my parents want for me, and wow. it's not what I want for myself. Um, so, yeah. Great. And people, you know, people notice that. And I'm like, if that's the way I can stand out and separate myself off from, off from that cool. culture, then that's, cool. yeah. Yeah, great. Has it, has it led to some amazing conversations or has it just been subtle or...? Mostly subtle. I have one friend who, um, even when she is under the influence, she does. She asked a lot of questions. Like just recently, with tea party going on, she said she goes, "Oh, um, she's not a uni student," because only uni students can go to tea party. And she was like, "Oh, um, when I was in line, she goes, I really want to be a Christian, but I just don't know if, if I could commit to it all the time." She's like, "But when I was in line, she goes, I said a little prayer. She's like, please God, let me into tea party." And she's like, <laughs> and she was like, and then I got in. <laughs> And she was like, do you reckon that was God? I was like, I'm sorry, I just think it was luck. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and she, she is someone who over time has actually kept asking questions. Yeah, so yeah, who, cool. who knows? Cool. Yeah. I think people, people notice a lot more than we think, eh, hey, yeah. with that stuff. They, people are looking and they, are, they do notice that stuff. Yeah. All right, last question, then we're going to finish up. Any, any tips for people who really feel, what's, what can they do to take the first step if they haven't really been developing this relationship? Start with Thanksgiving. I reckon is the, is the is the big thing. Like um, one of the things I didn't get to, but was reading, um, Daniel was um, under a lot of pressure. Where basically the king had said he was going to kill all of his um, advisors if no one could interpret this dream, and um, and and so Daniel told his mates, said, "Look, go away, pray and fast," and and God came in and revealed it to him, and like it, it kind of struck out to me. Like Daniel could have gone straight to the king to save his life. But instead, the first thing he did is he sat down and he prayed and he gave thanks. Right. He's like, Daniel's life was on the line. The enemy, you know, not the enemy, the, um, the guards could have come right in and just, you know, killed him. But instead of going straight to the king to, to deliver the message, he sat down and he gave praise and thanks to God. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge key for, for developing intimacy is just be, go through, what am I thankful for? Yeah. What does God bless me with? There's always, there's always a reason to be thankful. Um, I reckon that's the best place to start is Thanksgiving. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, team. We'll wrap it up there. Brilliant. Cool. Over to you, John. Yep.